Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the Group of Five Deep Dive. And if you are watching on YouTube, you can see that this is our special Halloween episode. I'm going as Carmi from the Bear. This guy looks like he just came out of the penalty box. So I appreciate the the extra work, the tattoos, the uh, equipments, the gear. We're ready for this. I feel like, you know, tonight we needed to treat ourselves a little bit because Maction started off and started off just as ugly as predicted. Like this... This entire Mac season is kind of a freaking disaster. As Stucky accurately pointed out in his Mac manifesto, please go out and read on newsstands nationwide. Uh, nine of the 12 teams are outside of the Action Network top 100. And that seems fair to me. There's just like not very good teams. And then Miami of Ohio was one of those teams that was good. And Gabbert's ankle explodes. And like, I don't know. I, I try to, you know, basically work myself up into a lather to get excited about these conferences all summer long. Now here we are with the broken pieces of the Mac, but let's not bring it all down from the get-go. Let's let's bring the energy up. Let's let's get you out of the penalty box here, INLO, with your G5 hero of week number nine. First, I gotta if you're, I gotta take off the gloves because I can't really uh, <laughs> drop the glove. I can't really scroll with gloves on. Uh, also, just a quick note for those watching on YouTube, like Mike said, this is, we are filming Tuesday night Halloween action. So you got my TV's right there. So if you see me looking, I am sweating a Toledo Buffalo under. And you can tell I'm a little rusty from the Mac because I forgot the number one rule of action is got to check the weather. We had two snowvers. Snow equals explosive plays. That's all we've seen. But for my G5 hero of the week, I'm going with Blake Watson. We talked about him a few weeks ago, how crucial he is to this Memphis team. I think they lost that game in Tulane because he went out early with an injury. Last week, he had 
169 yards and two touchdowns rushing, plus 100 yards receiving. He had a 65-yard touchdown run, a 63-yard touchdown catch, or just uh, I didn't score on the, t- the catch, but 63-yard catch, 65-yard touchdown run. He's his whole offense. He's such a dual-threat weapon. Helped them uh, beat North Texas. So Blake Watson, he is doing it all for that Tigers offense, and he is so important to them. We saw what happened when he went out. Blake Watson is my – this was a hard week for heroes, I'm not going to lie, uh, but Blake Watson gets mine. Yeah, I was going through kind of the statistical accomplishments. I almost made a call back to the Stone Age, Preston Stone, having a great game for SMU. I think yeah. they dropped 52 in the first half. Like They uh-huh. look like a, a team that's reborn now that they're in conference play. Um, but I'm actually going to go with an outsider, literally outside of the field to play. Whoever the Colorado State fan was that threw the second snowball that got them an unsportsmanlike penalty. Yes. It was because, honestly, I, I've said it multiple times. I want Air Force to go undefeated. I want them in the New Year's Six Bowl game. I think it would be such a cool story. Obviously, their fan base is nationwide. They're going to be there. And I, I think it's just one of those final pieces of my bucket list for College Bowl that I want to see at some point. And to get there, obviously, they got to run the table. And they were kind of stuck in the mud. They're stuck in the snow, actually, against Colorado State. It was 13-13 at halftime. Didn't look like they were getting things together offensively. Then they get aided by that 15-yard penalty. They go down, have a long touchdown drive, and they didn't look back from there. So shout out to, like, when they panned the crowd, there was three pretty guilty-looking bananas in the crowd. So I think one of them ended up throwing it. Um, it, It's something that I love about college football that's just better than the NFL. Like, yes, fans for NFL games dress up in costumes and things like that, but the college kids always do it so much better. I'll tell you, first of all, I almost did that from the opposite side. You did it as a pro Air Force bet. I almost did it as a pro Colorado State bet because they were throwing snowballs the whole game. And like you mentioned, it was 13-13. Then they got hit with the penalty, stopped throwing snow, and Air Force ran away with it and scored like 17 straight. So I think the snowballs was working. I think they were helping their team. Also, like I, I might mention, I got the Toledo game on. Toledo got flagged for a snowball penalty by two very guilty-looking bananas. I'm not sure if it's the same bananas that are now in Ohio or what's going on here, but there's bananas throwing snow in Toledo as well. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, it's at this point, snow usually comes, you know, during Maction and we start to get into it. And it's something that you have to absolutely laser focus in the snowvers and also keep an eye on the winds because anything over 15 miles an hour starts to really impact those totals and, you know, the, the play calling as well. All right. Best bets for week number 10. I'm going to start by fading a team that we were actually kind of pumping them up in the last episode before Ashton Genty got hurt. I'm going to go with Fresno Lane 3 against Boise. This number seems too low because Genty being banged up, he's questionable for this game. There's arguably not a more important offensive player to any team in the entire country. Maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. for Ohio State. Like, that's it. That's the, you know, the rarefied air that Genty is in. He, you know, came into that game as the leader in the nation in all-purpose yardage. He ended up leaving early, so I think he got passed by um, Mahdi from Texas State. But he's also one of the top backs in terms of weighted EPA, and he has the highest yards per target out of the backfield. So, like, he's absolutely everything to the Broncos. And now he's up against a Fresno State offense that just got a shot in the arm with Mikey Keene. He was questionable coming in to last week's game against UNLV. He ends up playing. There's four touchdowns of four different receivers. I think their offense can, you know, flip back into that B plus A minus range with him at quarterback. 
And when you pair it with their defense, that's 29th in success rate. They're elite at stopping the run already, and they're fifth in interception rate in the country. I think this is a really bad spot for Boise. I'm shocked that it's only minus three out of mind laying the field goal. What are your thoughts on this game where really Fresno can reinsert themselves into the New Year's Six race? I'm going to be honest. This might be our first big disagreement on the pod. Um, I'm actually going to talk about this game later, but I'll just leave it at I don't necessarily agree with you. (laughs) We can't see eye to eye. There ain't no good guy. There ain't no bad guy. There's only you and me, and we just disagree. I mean, it's fair. If Fresno needed to be gifted that UNLV drop touchdown in the end zone, like, Talk about a team that historically has just never gotten any of the breaks. And that wide receiver looked like the sickest man in the entire country dropping that touchdown. And it was how my money line play ended up, you know, in the underdog parlay falling apart. <laughs> but I'm going to switch switch horses here because as I mentioned earlier last week, I didn't think Mikey Keene was going to play. He was obviously the difference maker there. That's why I'm so bullish on this. All right. What is your best bet for week 10? I'll fight you later. But for now, I got to get us back on the same page. So I have one that I know you're not going to disagree with. Because, Mike, you feel that? The leaves are changing colors. There's a crisp in the air. It's Pavia's season, baby. We Diego, saw it last Diego, Diego. Hit the music. All right, cousin. I, I like what you're putting down. Diego, Diego. We saw last season from mid-October, New Mexico State went 6-1. and one. Their only loss was at Missouri. Guess what? It's Diego-tober. Since the start of October, they're 4-0. Pavia's got 17 touchdowns, 5 picks this year. Seven touchdowns and one pick in the last four games. He also has five rushing touchdowns in the last four games after not having any for the first five weeks. And that's the difference with this offense. They have three good running backs, Monte Watkins, Star Thomas, Jamani Jones. I think like every time I watch him, all I do is yell, give the ball to Watkins on every single play. He's averaging 11.2 yards per carry as their lead back. He's not like this, you know, he, he, he gets the first time every time he touches the ball. Thomas is over five himself. Pavia is averaging 5.9 on the ground. Daggies are fifth in the country in success rate running. They're 15th overall. This offense has been good. They're top 50 in explosiveness, finishing drives. They aren't great on defense, but they don't give up big plays. That's kind of the key with them. And that's basically all Middle Tennessee can do on offense. They're 20th in explosiveness and 102nd in success rate. All they do is pick up chunk plays. And the Blue Raiders' defense is horrific. They're 121st in success rate. They can't stop anybody. Like I said, New Mexico State's offense is humming right now. They're playing really well. Middle Tennessee's allowed over 400 yards in six of their eight games this year. And four straight. Another thing that's always good when you're betting against a team is Middle Tennessee turns the ball over a ton. So even if they do, you know, put together a drive, they're probably going to turn it over in the red zone and give New Mexico State the ball back or give New Mexico State the ball with short fields. I expect that to happen. I expect Pavia to keep this offense rolling. Go, Diego, go. I like, based on the fact that you have the hockey helmet on with the visor, and I can see your computer screen reflecting off of it. It's like you have, like, Google Glass going on right now. I assume you're just watching Pavia highlights pumping you up for this play. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to play it, um, but I'm also going to try to get a little bit of extra juice on the same game parlay. I'm going to go over because everything you said about the Middle Tennessee offense, I think, is also true. That's the only part that scares me a little bit. I think it, it is a win for New Mexico State. It's probably going to be a little bit higher scoring. So go with the same game parlay there. We're brought to you today by Manscaped, who's taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil and trouble. Manscaped's all new handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. 
Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the Handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com using code BBOC for 20% off plus free shipping. Halloween costumes might take effort, but beard grooming doesn't need to with the Handyman. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BBOC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BBOC. For a look as sweet as candy, get yourself the handyman from Manscaped. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, we are now back with our round robin, our G5 High five. The G5 high five. Should we high five? High five. Hopefully we can get it started and get back into the winning graces, the the positivity, the green dot city, because two weeks ago we were able to put this together last week. It was not as successful to put it lightly. So you know what? I'm going to go to the well. I'm going to go with a familiar play, not on a team. We're going to go ahead and fade Trent Dilfer here. Trent, baby, you're back. Went ahead and watched the press conference. You had a little bye week. so you know, flying under the radar a little bit. All he was doing was talking up FAU, their coaching staff. He wanted to get their OC. He was really trying to like emulate a lot of what they did. And he respects Tom Herman, all this stuff. I agree with all of it. FAU is rock solid on offense. In AAC play, they beat Tulsa by three. They beat USF by 42. They beat Charlotte by 22. And their big three, Daniel Richardson, Larry McCammon, LeJonte Wester, they are a problem, particularly for Blazers defense that are not fire breathers by any stretch, 132nd in success rate. And generally speaking, the Blazers have been able to hang around in some shootouts this year, but their offensive line is banged up. So they're going to be playing a new rotation there. They have a quarterback coming off concussion protocol. And FAU has everything in front of them in the AAC. They can still make a play at the AAC title. UAB has to win out just to get bowl eligible. And you can just see it in the body language of Dilfer. He's like trying to talk himself into the possibility of stringing together wins, but it's one at a time. It's not going to be one here. FAU laying one in Birmingham. I'll go ahead and lay the points. I think the Owls get a win here. 
and stay right neck and neck in that AAC title hunt. Stats are for losers. Yep, I love it. I'm glad we're going back to her. I feel like you haven't faded Doe for a while, so it feels it feels good to have you back. Look, I don't like doing this. I don't like when you do it. We're the G5 boys. We're supposed to ride or die with our guys. And you bet on a Power 5 school last week, and you stupidly faded our beloved Huskies. I mean, first of all, did you watch that game? I, I need to I need to vent a little bit here. I need to go Carmi, Big Mad, throw some pots and pans around. Like, UConn didn't do anything in the whole game. And then I had to, have, I had to sit there and listen to this, you know, ESPN Ocho announcer say, well, on that unforced fumble for Castellanos, he drops back to pass, he goes to throw, the ball just slips out of his hand and falls at the feet of UConn defender. Well, it's real hot here in Boston, so he must have been sweaty. Get the hell out of here. He said that. It's like... Okay, first of all, it was hot. I was in Connecticut. It was like 85 degrees. I had a baby shower in the fall, and I don't think when my mother... My mother had... We had soups. We had a... Everyone made soup. I don't think my mother expected it to be 80 degrees when she planned it. So we're all sitting outside in the beautiful Connecticut heat, eating soup, sweating, watching football. But no, I couldn't get... I, we didn't have this game on. We had good games on. But it was gorgeous in New England this weekend. So shame on you for not checking in the weather. You got to check Mac for snow, and you got to check Boston. Excuse me. Excuse me. Castellanos came from UCF. What, he's never played in temperatures above 80 degrees? Like... Jesus Christ, like to watch that game, because I really believe if they had not turned the ball over there, if you look at UConn's performance the rest of the game, they couldn't move the football consistently. Anyway, that's over. You're right. I did. I turned my back on one of our honorary G5 members. So I guess the the joke's on me on that one. Well, I'm doing it too. Give me South Carolina (laughs) minus 14 and a half. Look, the Battle of the Gamecocks? You're going with with the SEC big boy? I'm going with the big cocks over Jacksonville State. South Carolina is terrible. They've lost to North Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, Missouri, Texas A&M. What do all those teams have? A really good defensive line. That's their weakness. Spencer Rattler has been sacked 30 times this season. The South Carolina offense is putrid. When Rattler's under pressure, three touchdowns, four interceptions. But when he's kept clean, he's got nine touchdowns and just one pick and is completing 77.5% of his passes. Jacksonville State is just 71st in pressure grade at Pro Football Focus. Now, look, if you look at their basic stats, they've racked up a ton of sacks. They're like top 10 in the country. But most of those came, they had like eight against Eastern Michigan. Like, like I don't, they have like six against Middle Tennessee and like five or six against Florida International. So they've racked up like 30 of them against three teams. South Carolina can't run the ball. And they can't defend the pass. But they can get big plays. And if Rowler is protected and has time, he can be effective. Xavier Leggett is a massive big play, big play target on the outside for South Carolina. Jacksonville State has nobody that can stop him. And then Jacksonville State doesn't even try to pass the ball. And they're not good at it when they do. They're 111th at preventing explosiveness, so I expect the Gamecocks to be able to pick up big plays here. This is SEC flex season. This is when the SEC, because they're too much too big of cowards to schedule nine conference games, so they have to schedule a powder puff game in the middle of the fall because they're too scared to play real teams. And they flex a bit. When the spread is between 13 and 26 in these mid-SEC games, so, you know, not 45-point favorites, but a sizable double-digit favorite, since 2009, SEC teams are 51 and 40 against the spread. They use these games to flex a little bit, get the boosters, get the NIL going, give the home crowd something to cheer for. And I think South Carolina certainly needs that. They've lost four straight games. They have every incentive to run up the score here, get some positive vibes, try to get some confidence back. Sure, Jacksonville State's having an incredible season. Seven and two. Who's their most impressive win? 
Western Kentucky by three. Like that's the best team that they've beaten. And this is a massive step up in competition from CUSA. And even when we saw Jacksonville State kind of take a little step up to Liberty, they lost by 18 points. So I just think this is such a different type of athlete that they're going to see. They are not used to seeing these. I mean, this, this team was in the FCS last year. Now they're playing on the road in an SEC environment. As bad as South Carolina is, they're just different athletes than Jacksonville State has. And Jacksonville State also, they, they play super fast and they can't throw the ball. They're kind of designed to either win the game or get blown out. So I'll lay the number. I think South Carolina flexes a little bit and tries to get some confidence back and they run it up here. All right, Jeff. I like what you're whipping up here. I'm into it. I'm going to add in a little prop as well. I think Nick Harbour, they're trying to feature him more offensively. And I think in terms of being a, a matchup freak, he was one of the, the best tested tight ends in the history of recruiting services. They play him at wide receiver and kind of a hybrid role, but I think he'll eat in this game. So anytime touchdown for him, tag that on as well. I know I just 86 Dilfer, but I'm going to go for an over here in a different direction. This one came out of a, a try but true exercise I like to do at the beginning of every week or, you know, Sundays, depending on when numbers come out. I like to just go through the entire card, the matchups without seeing the odds, and then just writing down my, my quick, you know, shooting from the hip projections on what the total, what the spread should be. This total was off by five points, and it's one of the very lowest on the board. It should be the lowest on the board if it weren't for, I think, is Iowa Northwestern? It's definitely Iowa. Iowa, yeah, Iowa Northwestern is 29 and a half. Yeah, this one's 31 and a half, and it's Army against Air Force. And I get why this is so low. Like, I don't need anybody, you know, pulling over their car and calling into the bad beat hotline to yell at me. I get it. Six of the last eight meetings, this has gone below this number between these two schools. But Air Force's offense is a wagon. They're 12th in success rate. They're first in avoiding havoc. They're first in passing explosives. They've scored 30 points or more in six of their eight games. Really just came down to, for me, I need 10 from Army. I think I'll get 24 or 28 at least from Air Force. And this number essentially is predicated on there being no explosive plays. And I've watched their games. I know that when they do throw the ball, that Larry can get it out on the perimeter and they can hit some big ones. 31 and a half is just, there's no room for error. There's no room for, you know, a, a muff punt inside your own 10 or a special teams touchdown or a defensive touchdown, or like we saw in Air Force against Navy, a 95-yard passing touchdown. Like, they're capable of doing this against another service academy. So I'm going to go over. I don't love it, but I'm just sticking true to my guns here. 35 and a half-ish, 36 is where I had it pegged. 31 and a half, I just see value there on a very low-scoring game. You probably don't like it. This is probably just what what you got to do every time you just bet under in these spots. I just think there's a chance that Air Force, being a generationally good Air Force team, just blows them out and does 95% of this lifting on their own. Here's my issue. You said Air Force has scored 30 points in six of their eight games, right? Mm-hmm. The two they didn't was Navy and Sam Houston, who's basically a service academy. And that's the thing is like Army knows how to stop their offense. That's I don't like it. I'm not I don't know that I, I'll bet the under like I totally just blindly bet the under. I think the Army like, because it's too low, right? It's too low. That's no, the thing. I think it's more the unknown of Army's pass. Like they pass the ball a lot more now. So like it maybe it won't play like I mean, but so, so does. I mean, Sam sounds, Houston, sounds right? like somebody's talking themselves into betting this over with me. I would never bet the other. I would <laughs> no. That's I mean that's treason. But I'm not. No, I'm not betting the other. What I am to do is lay another big number. This time with a G5 team. You tried it last week. It didn't work. You tried it with UTSA and you lost on a horrific 
bad beat that made Scott Van Pelt, which is never what you want to see. I'm going back to it. Give me Tulane minus 16 and a half against ECU. You thought UTSA would kill him. They didn't. I think Tulane will. Alex Flynn was the only quarterback who played last week. So it seems like they finally picked one. Mm -hmm. Now that they say that, they'll probably start Garcia and play him the whole game. But Flynn sucks. He's got four touchdowns, seven picks. He's completing 51% of his passes. They managed 366 yards against UTSA, but this is still the worst offense in the country for my money. I also think Tulane is a better defense than UTSA. They're 16th at creating havoc. They're really good against the run. They've been playing better and better as the season's gone on. And they're most vulnerable through the air, and ECU can't exploit that at all. Darius Hodges, Patrick Jenkins are fantastic up front for the Green Wave. They should dominate this game. They should wreak havoc the whole game. And then ECU defensively has been good against the run, but teams have just picked them apart through the air. Tulane is 12th in the country in success rate. Michael Pratt's playing awesome. He's like almost flying under the radar. I feel like no one's talking about how good he is anymore and like how good Tulane's been playing. He's got 14 touchdowns, three interceptions. He's completing 71% of his passes. He should pick apart this defense all day. Lawrence Keys and company, they have like three good receivers that are all playing well. My one... Slight concern is Tulane really hasn't blown the doors off anybody this year. We're kind of waiting for that Tulane 55 opponent three game, which they don't they don't really have in their bag. But hopefully this is where they'll take advantage in this spot. You know, if they can hold ECU under 10, which I think they can, then, you know, they should put up 30 here. So give me the green wave minus 16 and a half. I think they, I think they can win this game by 20. Shout out to the Solid Verbal Podcast for this culinary uh, description. They're not going to flash fry the opponent in this game. It's going to be more like a crock potting. It's going to be like, you know, it's going to take all three hours. It's going to take all four quarters. But I agree. I think that they can run away late because of the huge advantage they have at quarterback. That's part of what I like about that is like, I think Pratt, and kind of, he kind of plays that style anyway. Like, I feel like Dr. Frank Harris is a little more like flashy, tries to be explosive, go down the field where I think Pratt is one of those, he's a smarter quarterback where he, and he's so experienced where like, they're never, he's never going to stop them. Like he, he could just go like, First down, second down, you know, third and four, first down, keep the chains, but just march down the field and score every possession. He's not going to like force a throw and try to take a shot and turn it over. He's just going to move the ball down the field and score at will. So, yeah, I could, I, so I kind of like, I think that this sets up well for their methodical don't run it up, but like they could just naturally do it, I think. Do you I have a, a final pick for a round robin here? I did the, the heavy lifting last week, as I mentioned, some bad beats littered our card. Um, but yeah. do you have another one here? In I have 10? one that maybe you'll tell me I'm wrong here. We've disagreed a lot here, so maybe you'll tell me I'm wrong in this spot. Am I missing something with Marshall plus four against App State? Um, the quarterback play has been just I mean, Ken Panther sucks. I'm not going to argue that. Nightmare. Just a okay. nightmare. So Marshall's lost four in a row. Cam yep. Panther sucks. But they lost to NC State, Georgia State, James Madison, who's the best team in the country, and Coastal Carolina. Yes, Coastal one isn't great. It was without McCall. But Fancher forgot what color his team was on. The teal field threw him off. He threw four interceptions. I, don't, I just don't think he could see the Coastal defenders, <laughs> if I'm being quite honest. They blend into the turf. It's very disorienting. It shouldn't even be legal. But App State also lost to Coastal. And their wins this year are against Gardner-Webb, ECU, UL Monroe, Southern Miss. Find a team in the country with worse wins than those four. They're four of the 10 worst teams in the country. Joey Aguilar has looked really good at quarterback. I'll give him credit. But this defense is terrible. They're 114th in the country in success rate. And like I just said, the teams they played, they allow a ton of big plays. They're 120th at stopping the run, which is obviously key in this matchup. 
Rashina Lee missed that James Madison game out of nowhere. Screwed you on your Marshall bet. I want it, not to brag. But he was back last week. He should run all over this defense. Marshall's 21st in the country in success rate. They're 11th at preventing finishing drives on defense. Their defense is nasty. Our boy Owen Porter is a stud. He's like the perfect G5. Like He's the perfect just linebacker, football guy. Always has his abs hanging out. I just picture like when he makes a tackle, he like is barking while he does it. He like he reminds <laughs> me of like a G five Brian Cushing, just like eat, sleeps, breathes football, like smashes his head against the wall and pumps himself up before he runs hits the field. He's the best. And I think the Thundering Third just do what they always do. They're gonna run the ball, they're gonna play defense, they're gonna win this game. Like I said, I'm very confused by this launch. Maybe I'm missing something. Our action network power ratings have Marshall seventy sixth and App State ninetieth. They have the herd a four and a half point favor on a neutral field. Boone is not worth eight points. So I think Marshall should be favored by like one and a half, one pick them at best. Four is nuts. Give me the herd. Cam Fancher, for the love of Christ, protect the football, win the game. Yeah, I, I can't get there with you, oh, but it, it's, wait, it's wait, a- wait. here's the one thing that might make you feel better. They did bench Fancher in a little Chad Pennington's kid. I don't remember his first name. But little Chad Pennington was slinging it. He did throw a pick too, I think. But I don't care. I, I got so giddy. Seeing Pennington throwing the ball for the Thundering Herd just feels right. So worst case scenario, Fancher throws an early pick. They say, get him out. And we got little Pennington slinging it for Marshall once again, which that just that just feels right. He's not so little. Six foot three, 212 pounds. Cole Pennington Cole from Pennington. Versailles, Kentucky. Pennington Jr. Pennington Jr. Yes. All right. Just Onward right. and upward as we go into the G5 Moneyline Parlay here in Week 10. I'm going to get it started here first with a team that I think I think unnecessarily has been abandoned, and it's South Alabama. I know that Troy has been playing really good football, but when I look at this game, plus 180, the Jags coming in, I think this is a perfect buy-low spot on South Alabama because you look at their loss to Louisiana, negative five in the turnover margin, including a defensive touchdown for the Raging Cajuns. But this is still the same South Alabama team this season within the last two months. They beat Oklahoma State on the road. That win keeps getting better and better. They lost a one-possession game to James Madison, as you accurately pointed out, clearly the best team in the entire country. And they scored 110 points in back-to-back weeks earlier this month against Monroe and Southern Miss. So when their offense is popping, Carter Bradley, LaDamian Webb, Colin Lacey, like their big three, I think, are as good as any G5 big three. And Troy, I mean, they've been really good this month. I'm not going to, you know, avoid giving them their flowers. But they have done it against Arkansas State and Army in two games in the last month. Against good teams, they lost at home to JMU, and they beat Western Kentucky by three. I think this is a close game. I think South Alabama, their their high-end play is good enough to get this win as as an underdog. It's kind of predicated on you know, listening to Colin and Stuck for so many years when they put together their underdog round robin, they're looking for teams with high ceilings. They're looking for teams that have proven in a calendar year that they can play at a high level. It doesn't necessarily mean they're always consistent. And in a lot of cases, you got to play them on the road to get good value. But I think plus 180 in this spot for a Jags team that if they win, all of a sudden they're right back in the Sunbelt West race and all their preseason goals and everything, you know, up on their their team facility and you know win the day and all that stuff. One of the top ones was to win the Sun Belt. It's all back on the table if they spark the upset here. So I like the Jags. Let's go with it. So my one concern here is Carter Bradley got hurt on the last play of the game. Did not look good, but it seems like 
I was trying to like look it up as you were talking if there's any reports. It seems like they're optimistic he'll be back, but that would give me pause because obviously if he's out or even you know banged up, that would scare me. Um, yeah, basically what I saw is that they're expecting him back, but I think that that is a great point. You may want to go ahead and, and hold off, wait for a beat reporter to at least give an update later in the week before you get into that. I don't hate I don't hate the the money line uh, sprinkle and. What I'm going to ask you kind of lends my lens itself to that is when I actually looked at this game, I think if Bradley's, you know, in good to go, I actually think this is a sneaky, decent overspot. 45 and a half. This was a gross 10 6 game last year. But these defenses, you know, Troy, especially their defense is not the same without Carlton Marshall. And I think these offenses both are like really starting to hit their stride. Troy's been throwing the ball a lot more than they've been, they ran it. They ran it mostly last year. They've been throwing the ball a lot more this year. They've been throwing it well. And I mentioned it when I backed South Alabama last year. Their offense has been clicking. Like, you know, turnovers obviously hurt them last week. But I think this might be a sneaky over spot for two teams that were so defensive-oriented last year and played a, the grossest game. 45 and a half is pretty low. So if Bradley's in, I might, I might play this over. I like that. All right, how about your money line play? And I believe we're on opposite sides here. Yeah, I'm taking Boise State. I'm taking the Broncos. This is, again, I I want to make it very clear. I like Fresno State a lot, but I just view these teams as even. So you're giving me a pretty big number on a Boise State team that, like I said, going back to our action network power ratings, they make Boise State two-point favorites on a neutral against Fresno, which makes this just about a pick them. So you're giving, yeah, you're giving me three and a hook, a plus 140, plus 150 money line on a team I see kind of as even. As I mentioned last week, you know, Boise State, they their whole season's just been fluky. They came out of the bye, trucked Wyoming, a Wyoming team who beat Fresno State, by the way. I know it was in Laredice, so it's a little different, but the Bush-Hamden offense did not work early in the season because they tried to force Taylor Green to be a pocket passer. They've abandoned that. Clearly a mistake. In their four wins, Taylor Green has five rushing touchdowns. In their four losses, he has zero. Now they've started using a two-quarterback system, which usually doesn't work, but I think in this case, it, it kind of does. Green's, Green ran for a touchdown last week, but Maddox Madsen has been their more go-to passer. He's twelve for, He was 12 for 15, 147 yards, and a touchdown last week. As you mentioned it, we know the Broncos want to run the ball, seventh in the nation success rate. Yes, Gene T got hurt. Andy Avalos did not seem super concerned post-game, so I'm hopeful he'll be back. He might not be. That's obviously a big concern here, which to me kind of lends itself to the money line because, like, if he's back, I love this play. If he's not, whatever, you take a shot. And George Lonnie returned last week, which is huge because, I mean, he was probably the starter entering the season. If not, it was at least a shared backfield. He's been there for five years. He's a stud. He had 75 uh, yards last week without GT. I mean, you could argue he's the second best running back in the conference. Actually, you probably can't argue. He's probably just, he definitely is the second best running back in the conference. Uh, unless I'm just completely forgetting someone. I just still think Fresno State's overvalued from those two early wins against Purdue and Arizona State, who are combined 4-12 and 12 this season. And Fresno State, they can't really run the ball. Keene's been okay, but I, he's just, he's, he's inconsistent. The Bulldogs' offense concerns me. Since Cam Lockridge got hurt, he's out for the year, they've just continued to get worse each week. They allowed 5.2 yards per play to Wyoming, who stinks. 6.9 yards per play and 586 yards of offense to Utah State. 5.4 per play and 424 yards to UNLV last week. I just think 
most of these teams' stats are just dramatically skewed by the difference in strength of schedule. Fresno State hasn't really played anybody that good. And Boise State's played a lot of like pretty good teams. Uh, like you said, this is a massive game. The winner of this probably faces Air Force for the Mountain West. So I don't know. I just think it's a weird game. I think Boise, I think Boise State can win this game. So that's why I'll take them on the morning line. The only thing that sucks for both of us is there's a chance neither of us win this because what we've seen from Boise State, they're either going to win this game or they're going to lose in heartbreaking fashion by three points or less. So based on what we've seen, there's a good chance Boise State loses on the final play of the game by two and we both lose and that would really suck. Yeah, I'm just going to correct a few things. Uh, George Delaney, to me, is not even in the conversation for a top four back in the Mountain West. Yeah, he had 75 yards, I think, on 20 carries. I mean, the drop-off from Gentry to him is absolutely wasn't, enormous. Wasn't he Mountain West player of the year, like, two years ago? He was, but he's just been a shell of himself. You know, Kyrie Robinson, San Jose State's back. I'd rather have him. I'd rather have Sherrod from Fresno State at running back. Like, I... Just in general, I think I think he's fine. I think he's clearly the best backup running back in the G5 because of his experience. But Genty, like what he does in the passing game, everything else, I think the offense will be broken. Oh, I, mean, I, I certainly hope he plays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I, I agree with you. My, my best bet is predicated on him being in street clothes and not even trying to come back in that game and then potentially trying to hold him out and save him, you know, to get him healthy, you know, for a lower body injury. Part of me liked that he was in straight goes on the sidelines because I'm like, if he broke something, he like wouldn't have come back on the field. He'd just like go to the hospital or like stay in the locker room. Like that kind of, I don't know, that actually made me feel better that he was in street clothes so quickly because it's just like, I have a boo-boo and I just need to sit out versus like, and they were up big at that point. So I'm like, if he like broke something or tore something, he wouldn't have like been on the sideline, right? You think? I mean, that's just classic coming from a hockey player here, you know, in studio. I wouldn't miss the shit, Breeze. All right, that's it for us here in G5 land. For Mike Ionello, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Group of Five Deep Dive. Before we get out of here, I am going to give a quick rundown on everything that we have coming down the pike. So we have Colin and Stuck on Thursday with their full FBS card, the BBOC live show with Colin, Stucky, and me filling in for Brett McMurphy, who's going to be enjoying Bedlam in person, the last Bedlam, you know, at least on the schedule for quite some time. We got the BCS next week. I'll be a part of that as well with Colin, Stuck, and Tim Kalinowski. And also a reminder to our audience to please subscribe, like, review. There was a review that came through um, this past week. That was a five-star that I ended up connecting with him on Twitter, giving him a free $10 parlay of his choosing. I'm going to go ahead and dig it up. Maybe if you could fill here. I have a bonus pick here that I want to see if you'll co-sign with me. That was actually inspired by a tweet I received this afternoon that pointed out a bit of an oversight from us. So shout out to Scott McDevitt, who tweeted this at me this afternoon. At INL21. Why no fighting Ricky Ronnie picks this year? They may be my biggest moneymaker of the season. And he's right, because I looked it up. Old Dominion is 6-2 and two against the spread this year. Our Action Labs database doesn't have FCS games in it, so it only shows FBS matchups. And in FBS games, they are 7-1 and one against the spread and the most profitable team in the country. They're 4-4 four and four this year. They've already cashed their over 3.5 wins. They've covered in every conference game. Is it time we jump on the Ricky Ronnie ODU bandwagon? They're one and a half point dogs at home against Coastal Carolina, who may or may not have Grayson McCall. That obviously is key here. But 
I don't think we've mentioned this team all year. Why is that? They're the most profitable team in the country. We're trying to give out winners. Why are we not giving out ODU more often? Should we ride with Scott, Scott McDevitt pointed out? Do we have to jump on the bandwagon this week? I mean, the Commonwealth of Virginia has been a hotbed for college football. They got the number one team in the country, at least number one in our hearts in James Madison. Yep. Virginia Tech actually looks kind of reborn with Kyron Drones now at quarterback. Like they could, they look a little bit frisky. Let's, they actually have a chance to, in a very strange year in the ACC. If they win out, they could go to the ACC title game. It's a very strange year there. And then Virginia, for as bad as they've been, at least they're playing an entertaining brand of football on the upset North Carolina with, you know, a huge nationally ranked win for them. So I think that's probably, you know, plays a part in it. And also, I think we had made so much of the the Wolf Pack and all the things that we had talked about last year that once all those faces were gone and Allie Jennings was gone, we kind of thought to ourselves that that team was going to bottom out. They have not. I'm glad that we have listeners who have their finger on the pulse of second tier Virginia college football programs because they're moving their way up. They're certainly above the Wahoos at UVA. I was the Ricky Ronnie whisperer last year. So I don't know. I may have to ride Old Dominion this week. I know as soon as I do it, screw him. It's kind of why I've been staying away, but I may have to do it. And then the last one I want to ask you about, I'm not playing it, but boys are going to be fun. Georgia Southern, Texas State. You taking over 71 and a half? Yes, sir. Second highest total. If you take it, I'll take it with you. Are we riding the Georgia? All right, let's go. Two bonus bets on the show. Old Dominion, credit to Scott McDevitt. We're riding them. And we're taking the Georgia Southern Texas State over 71 just strictly for fun because it's going to be ninety a 90-point 90 game. I'll bet it right now. A shout-out to Kevin Cronin. Uh, he put it in a review for us. The best college football gambling podcast there is. Calabrese and Ionello are great on the Group of Five show and throw out great picks. Stucky and Colin Wilson are also great on their weekly deep dive into the big games of the week. Also, make sure you watch Calabrese's prop show on YouTube for all the college prop picks for the week. Must listen for any degenerate gambler of college football. So as I said, man of my word, threw him a free $10 parlay. He's going with, you, you grade out his parlay. Would you tail this? He's going Notre Dame land three at Clemson. Yep. Georgia Tech catching two and a half points at UVA. And then he likes the big Georgia-Mizzou game. He's going to lay the big number 16 between the hedges for the Bulldogs against the Tigers. Payout just shy of six to one. Yeah, that one makes me, I guess, the most nervous. But speaking of your prop show, shout out to you. I was in Connecticut this weekend, so I could bet player props the first time. And you gave out Lad McConkey like over 39 and a half receiving yards. He had like 100. He got a 41-yard touchdown like on the first drive. He had like 140. Maybe the easiest, most sweat-free bet I've ever made. So shout I had, out to you. I had that one, and I had the sweatiest one, which was uh, Keon Coleman. I think he went over by a yard and a half. And it was one of those where... I'm watching the game and I'm like, Wake Forest, just hang in the game so they can keep him on the field. And they end up pulling him when he was at 65 and the number was 63 and a half. They also threw an 80 yard screen pass in that game. So yeah, please listen in on Fridays, Kalinowski and I doing the player props uh, wall to wall. It's a quick episode. It's only like seven or eight minutes. We give you five or six picks. Still having a pretty good percentage, high 50s, low 60s on the year. So please tune in on that for YouTube. All right, for Mike Ainello, I'm Mike Calabres. This has been our Halloween extravaganza. Appreciate you listening, and best of luck with your bets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.